welcome to the Practically Positive podcast. Join me as I chat all things positivity, perspective and purpose. In this podcast, I share my story and the ways I shifted my focus to look at life through a different lens. And I invite us all to talk about those conversations that are often hard to start on subjects that are still thought of as taboo, but shouldn't be. And I want to look at these topics and get talking. Along the way, I will show you ways to have a more positive mindset with tips and tools that you can use to consciously retrain your subconscious brain. And I'll also be chatting with guests who will share their thoughts on my life experiences and at looking at things from a different perspective and how they've changed their lives too. So hit subscribe to listen along and let's get talking. So I am thrilled and honoured today to introduce my very first guest, Olympic medal winner, coach and motivational speaker, Chris Cook. I often laugh when I tell the story about the first time I met Chris. He was dripping wet, almost naked, and I was fully clothed. Little did I know then that years later, I'd be chatting to him on my very own podcast. But maybe I should go back and explain. So I met Chris at a charity swimathon. I was marshalling and he'd just gotten out of the pool. We said a brief hello and that was that. I was lucky enough to meet him another couple of times at events and he's a patron of our local cancer support charity FACT who I also volunteer with. But we never really said more than a few words and I could never have imagined back then that this is where my life would take me. And I don't suppose he did either as at that point he was still very much in the middle of a swimming career. But fast forward several years and here we are chatting self-worth, imposter syndrome, and changing your perspective. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Chris. I am so excited and honoured to introduce today's guest, the amazing Chris Cook, who is not only a double Olympian, he is now also a motivational speaker and coach and mentor. And I am thrilled to share this chat that we had. I met Chris many years ago at a charity summathon. And as you may have seen in some of the stories that I've shared building up to this episode, we had a huge giggle right at the start before we started recording. Because the last time I met Chris, he was almost naked and dripping wet and I was fully clothed. Now, out of context, that sounds rather inappropriate. As I said, we actually met at a summathon. And little did I know back then, and I guess neither did he because his life has changed direction since he's come out of swimming, that we'll meet again under these circumstances and be having this chat today. And he touches on this in our conversation, which you'll hear, about sometimes you meet people and don't realise just what that connection can do. And I am thrilled and honoured to introduce Chris. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm thank really you. excited about our chat. Yeah. It's just great to be here. It is. So thank you so much for coming on and being my first ever guest. Hey, I'm honoured. Thank oh. you so much for the chance. It's class. Um, so we've been chatting already a little bit, unlike me completely, to be, <laughs> to be chatting. And I love that we are on a very same sort of wavelength. You know, yeah. I mean, we look at things. I've been looking at your posts on your LinkedIn. A lot of what you said sort of resonates with me. That's good. Um, completely. So... Yeah, I'm going to hand over to you. It's great. It's hard to get out there, though, isn't it? Sometimes, do you feel that sometimes when you put something out there, you worry about what people are going to say or what, how they're going to pick it up? Yeah. And, and the exact opposite's happened for me. Right. Because I've, put, I've been fearful of it, but then I've put them out there. And people like yourself have come forward going, I really like what you said there. Can I chat more about it? Or I really like what you said there. 
could I have some more information or where did he get that from? And all this stuff that I kind of put out there just comes from life experience, just comes from being in the moment with the, the thing that's happening to you. And I think that's the most important thing about kind of now we're talking on podcasts and now we're sharing and people are really connecting. Like you said before the podcast, people like those human stories. They don't just love those human stories. They actually connect with what that person's gone through and how it's moved and changed them. Yeah, but, definitely. And, but you've got to surrender to it. You've got to allow yourself to be moved. You've got to allow yourself to be changed. And that's I think, the hard yeah, part. I was about to say that's the real hard part, isn't it? We, we're not good Sorry. at change. So even when we know a situation isn't good for us, whether that's a work situation, whether that's a relationship, mm. and there's quite a few of those I've had to let go of. Mm. And even when we have that awareness that, look, this isn't healthy for me, this isn't good, knowing that and then having the courage to change that thing yeah. because especially if it's somebody close to you, society says, oh, well, it's a family member or it's a loved one. You, you, we should yeah. act a certain way. Like, why should we? If they're not good for us, and if they're not bringing out the best in who we are, if they're not adding value to our lives, yeah. then why should we? But making that change is much more difficult. Yeah. And I think it takes time from having that awareness Definitely. to then be able to actually do the change. Definitely. I think the one thing I've noticed, especially now I keep saying we're coming out of COVID. It's still very much alive and kicking, isn't it? And there's a lot of effect, but it feels a lot. How can I put it? It feels a lot more certain now. And that kind of proves my point, what I'm about to say is, I think human beings are really, really good at adaptability. I think we're good at adapting. We've proved that. We just didn't like the uncertainty that's the thing that I think caused a lot of stress in me was how long is this going to go on for you know after we got over the euphoria of the first few weeks being nice weather and stuff it was a bit like "Mm, hang on a second it's not a long vacation now yeah (laughs) Yeah. but it was a bit freaky from the day we got locked down it was absolutely stunning weather um, right across the UK but and, and, and that did help but my point here is that we're really good at adapting to change once we get over and past ourselves it's ourselves that get in the way once we get past that and we get a little bit of evidence back we start to build that confidence to go do you know what this this big change is not that bad Mm -hmm. this next change this next step i'm getting a bit of certainty back and once we get that you can start to build that confidence and go again but we, we're all heading for this nirvana of comfort, aren't we? We're all trying to get comfortable. Absolutely. But there's no such thing. Oh, but if there is, that's not where you grow. No. You know, there's and no comfort yeah, in there. Absolutely no. not. And it's the fear. I read a great book years ago, and it, it said that it's the fear of the unknown, yeah. as you said, but it's the fear of how we will react to that. So it isn't even the situation. It isn't yeah. what's happening. It's how you're going to react to that. Yeah. And like you say, it's that uncertainty, that that being out of control yeah. once you accept in this moment this is where we are yeah. and I can handle it whatever the throat is yeah. then actually you don't worry about what's going to happen later or tomorrow or the next week because you're just concentrating on like this is what I've got now absolutely. and I can handle this absolutely I think there's an interesting point you brought up there you know in my previous life when I was swimming to get to the dizzy heights of the Olympics you know I still had that feeling inside like I'm just a little lad from Shields <laughs> there's nothing exceptional about me I'm not six foot seven massive arms and feet I'm just a normal lad who had a passion but for me that that whole journey was about growth it was about developing it was about just I got this far how much further could I get almost cheeky lad getting away with it and then I'd go another step and just try and push it a little bit further and because of that 
I then one day turned around and looked around and what I'd created, I was so headlong into just make today better than yesterday, just get up and make tomorrow better than today, that when I looked up, I was presented with an Olympic final, I was presented with medals, I was presented with representations, and this is where I feel a lot of us need to then move towards is when change comes our way, whether we facilitate it or not, we need to embrace it like it is part of our journey, like it is part of a bigger picture, and just trust and when you just trust, as hard as it is, and I struggle with this, even on the drive up, I was, uh, I've come from Yarm where I now live, even on the drive up to South Shields, I was thinking, God, there's so many things going on in my life that I need to just adjust and, and get right and do this. And then I just thought, do you know what? That's where I need to surrender. Yeah. That's where I need to just accept that right here, right now, everything is as it's meant to be. But it's often thrown it up there and trust it is one of the hardest things you can do. Absolutely, it absolutely is. And it's that knowing what you can control and what you can take charge of and pushing yourself and know what you can't control. Yeah. Um, And I say this all the time on my videos and I I, I even want a tattooed on my neck um, is the serenity prayer. And it's grabbing the serenity to accept the things I can't change. Wow. The courage to change the things I can. And I got those two quite quickly. I was like, okay, yeah, recognize what they are. But the third line was the one I always got stuck on is the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. Because my goodness, I would try and change things that, that weren't in my power to change, <laughs> whether that was people or situations. And it's yeah. that acceptance of, actually, I can't change that. Yeah. But what I can change is how I'm going to react to that, how I'm going to respond to that, or how I am in that moment. Yeah. And that is, that is for me, the most powerful lesson I ever learned. And it is, it's that handing over look I, I can't change that yeah. I, yeah I've got to trust that it's either going to take care of itself yeah. or that something else is going to happen or that I will just deal with it when I need to deal with it I think you're right I think it's working out what is a lesson and what's a blessing and yeah. you know I've had loads of moments in my life I'll never forget there was a few years ago now I came out when I came out of swimming I didn't know what to do with my life I didn't know where to go and what to do I probably painted a picture on my face I put a face on that showed the world that I knew what I was doing but I just I was scared I was in a world that was um, very very different from the structure that I'd already followed you know I used to get up in the morning 4.30 blast up and down a pool for a couple of hours I knew what I was doing it was hard work don't get me wrong but I could handle it and I could push myself I'd hit the gym for a couple of hours then I'd go in the pool again on an evening and it was a lot it was full on if you got some time off over Christmas you were lucky you got two weeks in the summer you were lucky again but it was like that for 20 odd years but that was that was what you knew so it was exactly it was for it was yeah. hard work yeah it was comforting in that that was your structure exactly I knew the culture the subculture the language around it you know I was known in that industry all those things that kind of you attach your identity to you build your identity mm-hmm. around well, that's it. you knew what was expected of you in exactly. that situation and then I was thrown out the other end by choice, you know, I retired or expired <laughs> from some. Um, I expired at the age of 30 and I decided oh, to go on to Pastures age. New. <laughs> exactly, it's a golden old age. <laughs> but then I moved on to Pastures New, but I didn't know what those pastures were. So I went on this experimental kind of phase of like, what do I want? Who do I want to be? And that was really, really tricky. And one of the things that happened, I, I ended up investing mine and my wife's life savings into a business I met this guy he had this business that looked amazing he was like do you want to come on board and and draft in and help us and become a director I was like oh that'd be class this was just pretty much a couple of year or two outside of swimming and within a few weeks of 
ploughing all the money and energy into it, I realised very, very quickly that I'd been done right. and there was nothing there. And obviously at the time, it was a lot of money to us. Looking back now, I'm a bit further on in business, it wasn't a lot of money, but by definition, it was our life savings. Even if it's a tenner, it's your life savings, you know, it's yours. And I was mortified. I felt like it let me wife Erica down. And even though she was like, it's cool. And she said something to us. She said, you know, whilst we were hurting and I broke away from the business and it went sour, I was really hurt. And she said, you know, the experience you're going through now will save you millions in future. And I wasn't ready for the message, but I took it. I thought, oh, one day that's really going to resonate, and it did a few years later. But there was a couple of a couple of lessons in it, and this is where I turned them into blessings. One, I needed to take responsibility for I was desperate. Yeah. I was desperate. I was presenting to the world as weak, vulnerable, and I was angry at another person. And what I really needed to do was just take that anger, turn it around full 180, look at it in a completely different way. And I started to realise in that moment, actually it was me who brought that experience into existence. It's me who drew that in. And the blessing in it all was when I eventually got out the other end, I stopped blaming and started taking responsibility. And it was probably the one of the biggest turning points three years after I quit swimming. My happiness changed off the back of that whole experience. Mm. And actually I've come to a realisation now that that for me, I'm grateful for it. And that sounds weird because we no, lost lots of money on it. But I'm really grateful of it because it's humbled me as a person. It's changed me as a person. And actually it's made me realise when these lessons come along, there's something for you, not them. Yeah. You can go around pointing the finger and you can go around blaming anyone you want. But if you're at the centre of this, you need to take some responsibility. But it gets a bit icky, doesn't it, for yeah, a lot of people? Absolutely. And they go, Ugh, I don't want to do that. But it's much easier to point the finger out. Yeah. And I remember my granddad saying to me years ago, and again, it was one of those things at the time didn't make any sense, and it wasn't only years. And I mean, he's been passed away 12, 13 years now. Yeah. And it was way after he'd gone that it made sense. And he said, you point one finger out, there's three pointing back towards you. Love it. And I'm like... Granted, you're a genius. Like, Love it just, when it. that penny dropped, because it is, yeah. that no matter what anybody else wow. does, says, it's up to you, yeah. you know, to, to then take that and, and be put down by it. It is. Anybody can knock you down, yeah. and that's on them. Yeah. If you stay down, that's on you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? If you get up, learn the lesson, which at the time you may not, you, you can be bitter for a while, and you can hurt for a while, and, yeah. and you can be resentful, all those things. But if you hold on to those... That just keeps you down. You're giving them that power to keep you in that place. I agree. I love that. And that really fits with the story I've just said. And I have heard that before, but I totally forgot it. But it's so powerful. But for me, I think on some sort of non-physical level, because I'm a massive believer in that kind of, that non-physical, whatever it is. Some people want to call it God. I'm not particularly religious myself, but I do believe there's a non-physical presence that connects us all. And I think on some level, it's going to go a bit left field this, but I think on some level we almost have lined these up for ourselves. I think we've come here to experience this physical human experience in a way. And as we go through it, because you've had moments, you're telling us part of your story, you've had moments in your life that have completely changed the direction you thought and all of that. I've had them. When you get talking to others, they've had them. It's not a coincidence. No, absolutely not. There is some kind of... There's certainly not a straight line for everyone, but I definitely think there is a mapped out pathway of experiences that you're meant to stumble upon, you're meant to go upon. And I do believe on some crazy level that we might never, ever get to know what it is, 
we've asked for it. Yeah. There's that film, isn't it, with um, Leonardo DiCaprio, I can't remember the name of it, where there's all these doors and there's a route and you're on a map and you can change direction. It's oh, it's yeah. the freakiest film. I can't remember what it's called now. Inception, it's the freakiest, is, it? is that what it's called? It and, and there's a path. You you have a purpose to be here. Yeah. Now, you, can, you have free will, we do, and there are certain things that we can change, but then the universe yeah. or your higher power or whatever you want to call it yeah. will draw you back to what... What, where you are meant to be. So there are certain points in your life that you have no control yeah. over. You will get to them, you will ha- meet that person, you will have that experience. How you then choose to react from that. Yeah. And for a long time, I absolutely fought against a lot of my things and I kept trying to get off that path. And I was like, no, th- this, isn't, this isn't what I want. This is, you know, this is my, my will. But actually, once you surrender that and hand that over, yeah. the opportunities that come and the difference in how you experience life... Yeah. is so much better because you're not fighting against what is meant to be. So I, it is a bit out there, but I, I totally is, agree. There's a purpose to it all. Yeah. And you don't always see the lesson at the time. And sometimes it's a lesson you don't want to use. You know, quite often we, we're given choices. I ask this all the time when I'm on my um, lives. And I talk about that you always have choices. Yeah. And once you accept those choices, even the most awful situation, you get that control back. You, you yeah. lose that uncertainty. Yeah. Because sometimes... And let's say this is absolute personal experience. I was given choice A and I was given choice B, but I wanted choice C and I, I just wouldn't. I was like, I don't want those two. I want this one. Yeah. And actually, you have to let go of that one because it's not a choice. So it may be a rubbish choice, but you still have a choice. And actually, even from those two bad situations. Yeah. So, for example, my marriage recently ended, not through my choice. It's not something that I would have chosen to do. But the choice I was left with was do I stay in a marriage where I was hurting and I was becoming resentful? I was hurting the other person who had been my best friend for. 18 years that wasn't a healthy relationship do I choose to stay in that because I came from a broken home as mm-hmm. we used to call it which is the worst turn of phrase ever but I came from that and it, I've got scars from that I've got effects from, from how relationships should be I hate mm-hmm. the word should and I wasn't going to do that to my child I wasn't mm-hmm. going to have my child from a broken home but actually in the end so my choice was leave my husband and be a single mum, which I didn't want to do, or stay in a marriage that wasn't good for me. Wow. And I didn't want either of those choices. I wanted to be married to my best friend, and the life that I would be promised. And I had to eventually let go of that third choice, because that third choice no longer existed. Wow. But once I accepted that the only two choices, and I had to decide which for me was the best, and actually for all of us in the end, the best choice was to end the marriage, mm. because that was healthiest for me. It was best for him, because I wasn't lashing out and being resentful and hurting him, and he could recover from... What, you know the, the breakdown of the marriage mm. I stopped pointing the blame at him because yes he was the one that cheated and that's why we got to where we got but there was a whole other re- load of reasons that got us to that point mm. and exactly what you're saying I had to accept my part in that yeah. um, and actually for our child we've got a little boy who's five we have a great relationship now we've just been away like we're the weirdest couple we've just been away for the weekend with my mum and stepdad his mum and dad and the two of us and the little one for wow. a week in the cottage up in the sea houses like and it was the best weekend ever there was no animosity there was you know we got on so well we enjoyed that time and my little boy is getting the best experience because Brilliant. we can have that time yeah. if we'd stayed in that marriage there's no way we could have done that yeah. because we were hurting each other yeah. and we were punishing each other for stuff within the marriage but for stuff outside the marriage wow. and taking that step back has given us time once I accepted that they were the two rubbish choices like neither of those choices were choices I wanted mm-hmm. but once I accepted them and, and made it my choice I was no longer a victim it was no longer something that had been done to me I'd taken my power back yeah. and we've made the best situation possible and we've got a much better life now than we would have had if I'd stayed in that I want this third choice that isn't ever going to happen it's so hard to see at and the time when you're hurting isn't absolutely it absolutely it is and I spent 18 months 
not being able to see it and being very ill because of it because I was trying to force this this third choice that I wanted that was totally unrealistic and that's a very extreme example of that we do it all of the time with even little choices you know we we have I was listening to Jay Shetty the other night and he was talking about you know we visualise things and we have a goal of where our life is meant to be but we also look at that path Mm. and and we yes we're great have a a goal and I share all the time now that if the plan isn't working change the plan not the goal change your route you can still get there but for so many of us, we stick in that, no, no, this is, this is how I'm going to get there. This is my plan. Yeah. And we hurt ourselves, we hurt others, and we hold ourselves back yeah. by sticking to that plan. Well, actually, if we just took a detour, yeah. it's like sitting in a red traffic light for yeah. ages. Like, just take the detour, you'll get there much yeah. quicker than if you just sit there being stubborn waiting for the roadworks to disappear. Absolutely. And you've just, I mean, that's a really, really powerful story. And, you know, it's not easy to tell, but the fact that you share stuff like that will help other people out there start to connect with those choices because they're hard choices to make no matter how big or small people want to put pitch them as if they mean something to you they end up becoming quite tricky situations but it reminds me of um in 2006 on the lead up to the commonwealth games i was racing i was in really good shape although when i look back there was some injuries kicking around, but when because you have such a fond memory of something, you forget the bad stuff. Absolutely. You just see the end thing that happened. And I ended up winning um, two gold medals and a silver in one week, and it was it was a pretty good week in the good, office. Good week, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good week, good week in the office, yeah. <laughs> and I'll never forget you know, on the lead up to the hundred meters breaststroke. It was the first one. It was the big one. It's it's an Olympic event. You know, so it's in Olympic distance. The 50 metres isn't, so it isn't such a big deal, but the 100 was, and it was kind of the lead-up to the next Olympics, which would be in two years' time from then. And I remember I, I, I was big on visualisation. I did a lot of visualisation. One of the keys to visualisation is visualising that you've already arrived there. That's the key. Because if you visualise that you want it, you create that gap. You create a I-don't-have-it gap. And it stays there. And what you inve- in, in effectively end up doing is manifesting the gap and it stays yeah. instead of going out to the goal, standing there and feeling and looking around and sensing and listening what it's like to be there. Now, on the lead up to the Commonwealth Games, especially the last three weeks leading in, we flew to Australia, big change, different culture, different part of the planet. You have to adjust to all of that. And the preparation in the last three weeks wasn't particularly, should we say, how I would have wanted it to go. I had a few little niggly injuries, although I was in great shape. We got to the village, you get an athlete, there's an athlete's village where all the athletes live in kind of a fenced off three mile area with blocks of flats and houses in it. Obviously they sell them off after the games is is finished, but you all live together. There's 10,000 athletes all living in a huge village. It's amazing. And then you go to your venues, you go split off and do your sports. And I remember getting to the village and we went in this house and these houses were huge houses that would house about 10 different groups of athletes, but they were kind of shells of houses to be redone after the, after the games, we got in there and I was effectively in the garage but with the, the door was just a, a prefab wall right. and got in there and it was in Melbourne, Australia and this, it was absolutely blistering hot that for then two or three weeks it was really warm and we got in there and 
it was like a sauna. You couldn't even go in the bedroom and spend any time. Nighttime was even worse because mm-hmm. it baked all day and then cooled down at about four or five o'clock in the morning while we were getting up and leaving then. So it was just a nightmare and the conditions were really difficult. And I found myself getting into this mindset of this is not part of my plan. This is not part of my plan. And I was getting angry. I was getting frustrated. I was Everything I was seeing was not part of my plan until I started to accept the challenge for what it was. So when I walked in the room, I thought, right, what can I do? There's no blinds up on the wall. So I texted my coach. I said, can you get me some tinfoil? <laughs> he went out to the shops and he got me some tinfoil, brought it into the, uh, the village and we put it up against the window and it cooled the room. Brilliant. I then started to look at my injuries with a very different mindset and going to the physio and saying, hey, I've got this niggle. Really want to prevent it. There's something I'm doing. I gave him the task, not me. It's his job. That wasn't my job. And I just took on board the challenge. And over the three weeks, there was loads of things that didn't go to plan. But every time it came along, I just asked myself, what can I learn from this? And who needs to know? Who do I need to speak to? And I went into that race. And obviously, the the history was made for me. I won the gold medal in a record time. But the lead up, the blueprint that I learned was that when things aren't going to plan, maybe there's something bigger for you. But we've got to choose to look through a different lens. We've got to look through a different lens. And that's what I feel like in the last 18 months has come at everyone with speed is something needs to change. Bang, there you go. I think collectively as a human race, we all have to look at things completely different now. Absolutely. And for me, that story exactly is the epitome of it's focused on the solution, not the yeah. problem. Yeah. Spend so long thinking, oh, I'm tired. Right. Instead, think, oh, I need more rest. Yeah. It's how we, it's that language <laughs> and how we talk to ourselves. Absolutely. If you tell yourself, oh, I feel tired, you feel more tired just by saying that sentence. <laughs> you do. Um, you know, if you, if you just think, oh, it's really hot in here, that doesn't change anything. It just amplifies the fact that it's hot in there yeah. right what can i do to stop it being hot yeah. what is the solution because you just again feel like you've done something about it even if it doesn't totally change the situation yeah. you've helped you've taken that bit of control you've done something about it when you're in a problem mindset you'll never find the solution mm. and and I, I, you know i coach now so i'm a business coach and i work with so many people and there's, there's two main areas that I well there's lots of main areas that i work from but one two of them are the difference between reacting and responding you know if you don't like the results you're getting just have a little check of how you're reacting. Just be honest with it and ask yourself, how do you want to respond? Because often our reactions are emotive, they're automatic, they happen at super fast speeds that we, we find ourselves in the middle of it. So we don't know when it started, but the reaction's already gone and bang, you're off. And we all have those people in our lives that can say that one phrase that just send us off, don't we? It's crazy. But actually, when we pause and stop and put that breath in there and come back to that reset point and ask yourself, how do you want to respond? You give the brain what it was designed to do in the first place, which was a problem to solve. And the brain solves the problem by responding And when we do that, and that's what I've kind of learned, especially in the last 10 years working with people in coaching, when we start to respond and not just react at everything, we we have a calmer experience. We have less bumpy points in the road. And we often arrive at a point that is we feel proud of ourselves, even though we don't get the outcome we might want. We feel proud of ourselves in the process. And honestly, I'd take that over winning and getting what I want every time. Absolutely. That's a great, absolutely great way to look at it. Yeah. It is fantastic. Because it is, if you if you don't achieve whatever it is, 
but you're still proud of the work you put in or you're yeah. proud of how you've got there, then it's still a win. 100%. It's absolutely a win because you've learned the lesson, you've done the best that you can do yeah. and you're ready for whatever the, the next step is. Yeah, and I say this to coaches all the time, you know, being proud of the person you are takes takes time and it takes commitment. But if you make that commitment, there'll be a day when you turn around and go, wow, I might not have everything I want and everything I feel I deserve, but look at who I am. And, you know, people, I always get asked all the time, you know, what is the, the one moment you're most proud of at going to primary schools? And children would ask. And I found it very, very difficult to get this across to them, but I tried my very best. And my proudest moment happened about four years after I retired from swimming. And it was a conversation I was having with someone about what do I feel proud of? And ordinarily, I would have just said to children in an audience at a primary school or at a a big competition where there's 3,000 children at a sports event, you know, I just said something like, oh, this this medal moment was the best moment. But actually, it was the moment that I realised that I'd done that. Uh, it was the moment that I realised that that nine-year-old me who watched Adrian Morehouse on the TV when he was nine, sat on the floor in my granddad's house in South Shields watching him winning the medal, you know, that moment when I was like, I want to do that. I became that guy, but didn't realise that until I was 35. Because I think, you know, I think that we, we are taught to play down our successes and yeah. not claim who we are. Yeah. I did this for a long time. I've had a, another business for 13 years. My mum's friend will still say... Do you think I'll ever get a proper job? Like, <laughs> I, hang on, this pays me bills. I've got more disability income than I ever had when yeah. I was employed. I yeah. have to pay for holidays. Like, it is me proper job. I'm, I'm not pretending. <laughs> and, but I used to play it down. I was in the right place at the right time or somebody else could have done that. It was just, And I'm like, no. hang on a second. No, no. Mm-hmm. There was some of that in there. Yeah. But also, I put myself out there. I asked the questions. I worked really hard yeah. to achieve it. And we don't, we don't celebrate those little wins at all. And it, it, once you reflect on that and think, actually, look what I've achieved. Look at the... And for me now, it is about not even material achievements that yes I've got a business that's lasted you know coming up like say 13 years and has survived Covid which you know to be a small um, business is a result but it isn't even that for me now it's the effect I can then have on other people because of that so what I can do for friends what I can do for my little boy the life that I can provide for them the support that I can provide for them you know, by being there, it's allowed me now to only work part time so I can spend much more time with my little boy now to me that's way more of a win and no success yeah yeah and I used to say oh well it was just luck and it wasn't it was it was hard work and, and we all need to start owning those things 100% and, and those choices that we made and those things that we did those sacrifices that we did that you see make us who we are and Definitely. every every experience makes us who we are so I don't regret anything I've ever done I mean grandma we used to say this as a motto regret the things you do not the things you don't do Love and it. I, I kind of used to be like that doesn't make any sense grandma but it is and I can hand on heart to say there are lots of things that I regret that I've done mm. outfit choices and boyfriend choices <laughs> you know we'll not go down that road um, there's loads of things that I, I look back and think right I could have done that a different way mm. I have learned from that next time I would do a different yeah. thing some of these mistakes I made time and time again until mm. you realise that's not going to change and then you make the change yeah. and there's lots of things I regret in my life but None of them are things that I didn't do. None of them are things that I I can look back and say there are no what ifs. Absolutely. And because of that, that actually all those regrets aren't regrets. No, they're not. They're all lessons. They've all brought me to where I am. Exactly. And even my dad being ill and spending years taking care of my dad... I don't wish that hadn't happened. I wish he hadn't had the pain he'd had Mm. going through all those years of being ill. But I don't... 
wish it hadn't happened because it's made me who I am today. We have an amazing relationship. I have a much better understanding of myself and what I want to, to be in life. And so even through all of that hurt and pain, and the same with the, the breakdown of my marriage, it's, I am who I am today and I'm sat here doing this now with you yeah. because of all those experiences. Yeah. So they can't be bad. Absolutely not. Because here I am interviewing an Olympic medalist. <laughs> and, then, and, therefore, <laughs> and they're formed part of you and if you're proud of you, it's been part of your journey yeah. for a reason. I think you hit on a really good point there and, and I talk to all my clients about this and that is the ability to say thank you when someone gives you a compliment. It sounds so simple and it I've seen it's transformed people's lives because I'm I was guilty of it I still am as a default setting someone will say oh wow you're really good at that and I'll say oh it was nothing honestly I was just dead lucky or or, or, I got handed this on a plate or it wasn't me you know there's a big team behind it you know straight away I'll say that and that's all humble and it's great and it's definitely got its place but I think two things happen in those moments one you slap that person right across the face with a compliment Mm. and you almost shove it back and it sounds quite rude that's what you do when you go oh no it was nothing you say your words mean nothing to me which is not good but the second thing that happens it's the most important one is there's a part of your brain always listening and it's building up a picture and a profile of who you are and selling it back to you so if we want to build true confidence we need to speak to ourselves with kindness we need to speak to ourselves with truth and not nonsense and actually if you were at the center of something that was good take it just say thank you and i've just got my coaches to pause and say thanks for that. I appreciate that, and that's it. Which no more got so guff. powerful though. Yeah, yeah. So powerful. And it's changed them. It's yeah. changed them in ways that, like, I'm starting to see. You know, that the, they're then coming to their coaching sessions, going, "Oh, this has happened, and I was at the centre of this." Instead of all this stuff is happening, and I'm not at the centre of it. You're a key player in it. If you weren't there this whole thing might not exist and it kind of gets them to pause and think wow yeah but a lot of people suffer from or what what they call it imposter syndrome i call it imposter moments yeah. we all have them mm-hmm. i'm sure you yeah. have them i, I did the whole weekend this morning like what am i doing what am i gonna say <laughs> and i never show for words but just how is it gonna go and like yeah I'm, you know me podcast isn't even out there yet and mm-hmm. here we are recording an episode and i'm like this is just ridiculous but <laughs> yeah but that's it and i think once we change the the words we use because words have impact they have meaning well words have it meaning and meaning has impact but once you know I, I heard tony robbins i'm not a massive huge fan of tony robbins i tend to t- kind of cherry pick from different people who say things and you know they have profound effect on you and he's someone who actually i've read his books and i've followed a lot of his youtube clips and social media media and he's got some really interesting stuff and he said you know words have impact because they've got meaning and he said take the sentence the dog bit johnny i was like okay the dog bit johnny that's right a dog bit a kid that's not good mm-hmm. he was like same words just jumble up in a different order johnny bit the dog what it's a bit weird. <laughs> you know, what's wrong with Johnny? <laughs> sort yeah. of thing. Why did you write it down? Yeah, and same words, <laughs> put in a different sentence, completely different meaning. Now, if you think about that, the complexities of our language and how we interact with each other every day, that is just one tiny sentence that took three seconds to say, if not yeah. less. But the complexities of, all, of it all <clears throat> just come back to something really simple. What are you taking in that you need? What are you taking in that you don't need? Yeah. And I say this to clients all the time, you know, we've all got a to-do list, but have you got a stop-doing list? 
And have you got a stop doing list on how you're talking to yourself? Because sometimes a bit of nonsense goes on between our ears that we need to just say, stop. Yeah. Almost like you're talking to a child that's out of control. Stop that now. And when we do that, we put a pause in that just questions whether something's real or not. And the three filters I've learned to push my mindset through our thoughts are, is it truthful? Is it kind and is it needed? Mm. If it's none of those three things, yeah, ditch it. Absolutely. And it is, it's about, you know, the way we talk to ourselves when we speak to a friend that way. Exactly. And nine out of ten, you absolutely yeah. wouldn't use that language. You wouldn't right? have that friend again, would exactly. you? Exactly, you wouldn't. Yeah. But we, we find it so easy to, to, to put ourselves down or, or see the worst in ourselves or doubt ourselves completely. For me, the heat, and it, it made me laugh when you were saying about taking a compliment. I'm much better at it in business now and I will absolutely own the hard work I put in to get where I am. I still don't do it for me. Mm. So someone says, oh, you've got a nice dress on. My response either is, ooh, it was a bargain the sale. And that sort of devalues the fact that it's a nice dress because it was a bargain. Or my other response, which everyone always laughs at, is it's got pockets because most of my dresses have pockets. And I kind of go, oh, it's got pockets, <laughs> as if that's like a response to like, really, the dress is nice, it's got pockets. That's not a normal response. Mm. Um, but it deflects that compliment because I feel uncomfortable for people, like you say, just saying, mm. right, you as you are, and there's a compliment and take it. Yeah. I can't just say thank you, I'm getting better with it. But yeah. I can't just say thank you. And for me, the turning point was probably three or four years ago now. I started writing a gratitude diary. Awesome. And I do it without fail every single night before I go to bed. And it's absolutely about setting your mind. It's about looking at because we all have rubbish days. Like, mm. you know, life is still gonna happen. Yeah. No matter how happy you are or how positive you are. Because it's life and you mm. can't control everybody else. So on the worst days where things haven't gone your way or somebody said something hurtful, naturally we, we focus on that and that's what our mind could have said to me differently, should I have responded mm. differently, could I have not been in that situation? And you can't change it, it's done. So yes, learn those lessons. There is a place for reflection, but don't dwell on it. And so yeah. for me now, on, it's easy on, on a good day. Like today's will be a really easy one to do a gratitude on. Yeah. But on a day where you've had a really tough day for any number of reasons, if you can then find three things that were still good, and some days might not just, I drank a cup of tea while it was still hot. Because mm. in my house, that's an achievement quite often <laughs> to not have to microwave it three times to get the bottom of the same cup of tea while it's still hot. <laughs> I know drink. the feeling. <laughs> you know, so it doesn't have to be huge, wild things. It could be somebody said, yeah. your dress is nice, and I didn't say it has pockets. Yeah. <laughs> but because what you do is you go to bed with those three things that you're yeah. happy for. Most days now, I have to choose which three to pick because I've done it that yeah. long now. Yeah. And what happens is your brain sees those things around you. That 100%. We're always there. Yeah. You just didn't focus. And I always say, it's like, you know, if you are going to get a new car, mm. all of a sudden, you've been at the showroom, you've gone to see whatever it is, and all of a sudden there's 20 of them on the road. Like, there's one, the car park. Well, there's one, the guy on the street's got one. It was there yesterday. Yeah. You just weren't aware of that because you weren't focused on it. Definitely. And it's the same. If we focus on the things that aren't going right in our life, yeah. that is what we will be drawn to yeah. if you focus on even on those worst days the good things that have happened the successes we've had whether the three wins for the day and the three things you're grateful for you go to bed happier yeah. your brain is processing those happy thoughts and you wake up in a much better mood you set your mind you know, we don't get up in the morning and set our alarm clock for when we get up he said it the night before. Yeah. But that really wouldn't help us because I would be in the night thinking, oh, I haven't gone to sleep and what time do I wake up? Like, yeah. you don't, you put it on the night before yeah. and then you know that's, that's sorted. I can, I can not think about that for the night. Do the same with your mindset. Yeah. Set that intention for the next day. Yeah. And then those thoughts in your head, you're going to wake up. And I don't know how it works. 
But it absolutely does. Well, I don't know how electricity works, but yeah. I can switch on the light. Exactly. And it's that, it's that having that faith that it, yeah. I don't need to know how. Yeah. It just does. And if you practice it, it does make a difference of that mindset. You're absolutely. 100% right. And I think, you know, about seven years ago now, I took a little bit of a left turn with my life in terms of how I thought and how I approach things. Because I would get down off stage and people would say things they would say some lovely, lovely things. They would come over at the end, whether it was a, a school that I was talking at, an awards evening, or whether it was generally... It would it would happen whenever there was parents and children in the room. That would happen a lot. People would come over, and there was always someone who would give me literally like a almost a hit-the-back-of-your-throat tear-jerking compliment. And what I noticed was I would go home, I'd speak to my wife, Erica, and I'd say, someone said this today. Someone said there's just a sparkle when I spoke, and what, what a strange thing they say. Or someone said when you talked, it like it's like they were, I was the only person in the room you were talking to me. And someone said, "Oh, you've just got such a lovely aura about you," and all these lovely things. And I'd go home and t- tell Erica, and she was like, "These are unrelated. These people don't know each other, you know. You know, they're all over the country and sometimes parts of the world." And the same thing's been going on for years, but. I just wasn't ready to hear it. I could listen to it, but I wasn't ready to really hear it and take it in. About seven years ago, I started to work on that kind of, I suppose, the spiritual side of things to accept that when things come along, that's someone's perspective of me and to accept that compliment. So you're right in terms of business. Yeah, I can, you know, I achieve something and people come along and go, really loved what you did there. That was brilliant. I can say thank you. But seven years ago, I couldn't say thank you for someone going, you've just got such a lovely glow about you. And I'm, oh, no, no, it must be just I got caught in the sun this afternoon. Oh, yeah. They weren't on about that, Chris. I started working on that. And now it's amazing how you, I can see it and hear it and feel it. And these people are unconnected, but the one person who connects them, yeah. And that's the that's the thing when you see the challenge, not necessarily the challenge, but when you step out of your own way and you start to accept and embrace these things that are coming along, they're not happening by accident. There's no such thing as the coincidence of accidents. There's a fantastic book, if anyone's interested. It's called When God Winks. Mm. And this is what started my journey seven years ago. And like I say, I'm not particularly religious, but I'm really open-minded to something non-physical. And it's basically about this, I'll not spoil it for you, it's about this radio DJ who's quite a well-known guy in the States, apparently. And he wanted to be a radio DJ, became a radio DJ. But then when he looked back over his life, he'd seen that all of these moments were connected and linked. And he couldn't ignore it. And then when he spoke to other people, they were just like, oh yeah, that's just something that happens to me as well. And, And some people weren't aware of it. He kind of urges people to start to write down their coincidences, to start to write down those moments, those serendipity moments. And honestly, I've been doing it for 17 years now, just writing them down and just, oh, I'll come in the house and go, you'll never guess what. My wife goes, oh my God, she'll sit down with a cup of tea, go on, go on, tell us, tell us. Because these coincidences, these doors open that were never there before. And when I read that book, it just confirmed to me what, like, the way I think and the way I approach my life is. There's something non-physical going on. I don't profess to know what it is or even know how to tap into it. I just know the first stepping stone is to just surrender and allow these experiences to change us and allow it to change us for what could be something amazing. 
And I think you're right. I mean, you sort of said there that it's just been open to it, isn't it? Yeah. I think there's always opportunity around us. Yeah. But I know certainly for me, for 18 months, I just couldn't see anything else outside of yeah. the next half an hour and how I was going to get through that. And even down to your post on LinkedIn, I'd been chatting on the Sunday night about a topic that you then shared the exact same content. Now you'd put that together. Your social media didn't. You didn't know when they, your social it. media person yeah. was going to put it out. It just happened to be that <laughs> while I was on LinkedIn, which I'm rubbish on and on, on very often, I thought I need to make a better effort. Happened to go on, saw that it was you, yeah. and it just resonated. Now, why on that day at that moment was that the thing? You can go on social media and miss stuff all the time. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't a coincidence. There was a reason that that was put out on that day that I had that thought the day before, and like here we are sitting now because you're open to yeah. it. You're you're available to sort of see those opportunities around you. But the message I always get from those moments now, I used to question them before, so I'd sit there questioning, what, 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 why? But how? Oh, but no, it must be this. There must be a logical explanation. That's how I'd end it. When now I look at it very different, I say to myself, I must be on the right path then. Even though it's difficult and even though it's tricky, I must be on the right path. And I've got a really quick story. So a few years ago, I got this desperation call to go and help this guy out who had been let down at a conference. He was expecting 3,000 children to turn up to this sports festival. It was this huge thing down in Kent and he'd been let down. It was the night before. It was Friday night. It was getting late. It was about 10 past nine. I got this call and he said, listen, I'm going to cut to the chase. I've been passed your number by someone down the line and I'm desperate. He was like, I need someone to turn up tomorrow, 8.30, inspire a crowd, stay all day and work with some of the young people. I was like, okay, not realising he was in Kent. I was up in Wall's End at the time. That's where I lived. So as I was on the phone to him, he was giving us a bit of detail. I was packing the car. I was like, listen, I'm packing the car, so don't don't panic. I'll be down there. Where are you thinking? He's York or somewhere. He went, I'm down in Kent on the south coast. I was like, oh my goodness. It is a heck of a drive. So I was like, okay. So as I was on the phone to him, I was like looking on my PC thinking, oh, it's a six hour drive. So I just said, listen, you're going to have to get me a hotel. He got me a hotel and I got there at some stupid o'clock in the morning, like three o'clock in the morning and got up that next morning, did him a job, did him the best job I possibly could. And little did I realize, but I'd done a bit of work for a person who was third in line advising to the government on sport leading up to the 2012 Olympics. Wow. Now, it's well, school sport, more, there's more to the point. He called me up when I, I was driving home and he called me up. I was on hands-free and he just said, um, listen, I need to thank you for what today's so feedback has been overwhelming. He said, how can I repay you? And I was like, well, you can pay us for first. Yeah. <laughs> I need yeah. paying first. And uh, he laughed about it and he said, no, I, I want to repay you to say thank you. Could I open, if you're self-employed, could I take your diary for a couple of weeks and fill it? And I was like, oh my God. And so he took my diary for three weeks, wow. ram-packed it. Dream come true in that short space of time. And at the end of the three weeks, the feedback from the schools and all of the people that I'd met around Kent, obviously it was a long way ago at yeah. work, was, can we have this guy back? I was like, oh my God. So he got that feedback back. And that he we had that arrangement for seven years. Wow. He filled my diary for seven years. Now, my first day down in Kent when I was down there, I was at this festival that I was helping him rescue him from. And there was this reporter there, this young girl, 
just can I have five minutes just when you've got time when you've stopped like signing autographs and having photographs with kids I was like yeah I've got a couple hundred kids to get through but when I am lunchtime I'll come and see you I said, brilliant I'll just be in the canteen so I went through did the ten minutes talk with her you know she was asking some questions for the local newspaper and the radio and a bit of the TV and then at the end of the conversation she'd switched off the dictaphone and she went um I noticed from the accent you're not from round here I was like yeah, I can't really hide that round yeah. here my posh South Shields accent doesn't go very far and she said um, where are you from and I said well I'm from South Shields I said I'm from Newcastle I always say I'm from Newcastle we all do don't we because everyone yeah. knows what that is I thought they'd never know yeah. South Shields she was like oh my my husband's from the North East I'm oh well then in that case I'm from South Shields you should know it she went, yeah I kind of know it so like, he's from Teesside I went no way I said Three weeks ago, I've just moved down to Yarm in Teesside. She went, no way. Whereabouts? My mother and father-in-law live in Yarm. Turns out they were two doors down from my mother and father-in-law down in Teesside. I left that conversation. What are the odds of that? What are the odds of even finding that out? out? yeah. But what are the odds of that? got away from that conversation I remember calling my wife on the way home going you'll never guess what two doors down I know her da- yeah. the daughter-in-law and it wasn't until like a couple of weeks later and then things started coming through me diary started getting filled thing doors start open that I was like that's not a coincidence that is a sign that is a sign to say sunshine you're on the right path as hard as it is yeah. keep going because it would have been very easy when he then said you were in Kent to go, oh, I'll not get there too late. Can't be bothered, it's, yeah. It's too far to drive. Like, I'll not get enough sleep. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. It would have been so easy to do yeah. that. But he didn't know him anything. He didn't really know him. No. And but then look what you would have missed. Exactly. And I remember, like, two years down the line, sat in meetings with people who were reporting to Michael Gove and the Prime Minister. You know, I didn't see those in the room. They were they were the next meeting, but I was advising them to advise them. And I was like, how did I get here? All it started off with me just bumping my gums in front of a few yeah. students, and now I'm here talking to a key player in a conservative belt area in the country that has massive clout to what happens in the rest of the country because they often flagship things down there. They'll set yeah. things off in in around London or around that area, and then go, it's worked here, so it'll work there, mm-hmm. and that's what my role was with the education system around Kenya. And to then have that influence to be able to affect change. Amazing. What a legacy to leave. It all comes from just saying yes and trusting. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. It has been lovely chatting to you. Oh, likewise. I've got to go, but I can sit here and chat all day. Likewise. Thank you very very much. Oh, thank you. It was an absolute honour to chat with Chris this morning. And I want to say a huge big thank you to him for taking the time to come up and to meet me. But I wanted to say to all of you, That was me pushing myself and going out of my comfort zone to ask him to come along and have a chat. Yes, I'd met him a few years ago, but very briefly. And yet I followed that connection through a conversation we'd had online, through a really shared, similar post, as we just talked about in the conversation. And I just thought, you know what? Let's just ask the question. So I want to say to you that if you're not sure, if you're thinking, oh, what will happen? Just go for it because you never know what might happen. And thank you for listening to the Practically Positive Podcast.